Hey everyone, welcome to the Pot Awareness Podcast and thanks for joining me. This podcast is specifically for about educating and raising awareness for animals and rescues and organizations across the United States and world. It really goes a long way towards this mission when our listeners rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and all of our other podcast platforms. Also, be sure to check us out on our official website at pawawareness.org and on social media at TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at pawawareness underscore podcast. You can check us out for all of our latest bits and clips of our podcast, as well as pet of the week and pet of the month. If you're listening and involved with an animal rescue organization or have a story of your own that you want to share, reach out to us at info at pawawareness.org and we can get you on the podcast. Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Paw Awareness Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Senator Scott Weiner, and thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk with you. And yeah, go ahead. I just want you know for anyone listening who maybe not in California or involved in the politics, go ahead and introduce yourself, and uh, we'll get started. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm uh, Scott Weiner. I have the honor of representing San Francisco and Northern San Mateo County in the California State Senate. Um, and uh, before that, I was on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors and uh, glad to be here today. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I, and I really liked your background with just animal rights in general. And I think you being here says a lot about that as well. I know that you passed the PET Act, um, the Senate Bill 252. And I just wanted to ask, well, first, I wanted you to tell us a little bit more about that for anyone who isn't familiar with it. And then what was your inspiration behind that act in general? Sure. And actually, we so that the, the PET Act, at Senate Bill 252 from last year, did not pass, unfortunately. Um, it made it deep into the process and ended up dying. Um, so we reintroduced uh, a somewhat rev- a revised version of it this year, Senate Bill 879. Um, so we're, we're at it again, working with our, our partner on the bill, the um, Humane Society of the U.S. And so the, the purpose of this bill, it's really pretty simple, um, that we should not be um, performing toxicity tests on dogs and cats uh, for human products um, unless it's absolutely um, essential. And right now we have products like, for example, pesticides or some food additives or, or other products where they'll have, um, it's mostly dogs, occasionally cats, um, to, they're in a facility in a cage and their only purpose in life is to be basically force fed typically or injected with products to see if it like harms or kills them. And, uh, you know, for example, you have dogs who they'll shove pesticide down their throat every day for a long period of time just to see what happens. And um, it's very ineffective. Overwhelmingly, it's not a great match in terms of toxicity on dogs being some sort of uh, indicator of whether it'll be toxic for humans. Um, uh, so it doesn't even work that well. Uh, and it's incredibly inhumane to these dogs and cats. And of course, we want products to be safe for humans. We don't want people to, uh, you know, be uh, poisoned or harmed uh, by products. But there are other ways to test uh, these products other than um, badly harming dogs and cats. 
And I was going to ask this down the road, but since you mentioned that it didn't actually make it through, what exactly are the obstacles or barriers to entry that it takes to get something passed? What's common pushback? What's that like? Even bills that aren't controversial can be hard sometimes. It's a very, you know, California is the fifth largest economy in the world, 40 million people. It's not surprising that we have a complicated um, legislative process and bills can get easily tripped up and especially bills that have um, organized um, well-funded opposition. Um, it's just, you know, I, we pass those bills, but sometimes we don't. And so for this bill, um, we had very, very hardcore opposition from the pharmaceutical uh, industry um, last year. Um, and, you know, they, because the pharmaceutical industry wanted flexibility to be able to uh, perform testing on cats and dogs. And what we provided in the bill was that if the FDA tells you that you're supposed to use a cat or a dog for, to, for toxicity testing, then we're not going to tell you to ignore the FDA. So we gave an exception um, for that, but that wasn't good enough for them. They fought us and ultimately it was the pharmaceutical industry that was able to get the bill killed. So this year we we did the bill, we decided, okay, we would like to include pharmaceuticals, um, but we'd rather, let's get the rest of it passed for the other products, the pesticides, the food additives, the other products that are, that are being used to, to test dogs, get that passed, we can deal with pharmaceutical later. So that, now this aspect of the bill, or this version of the bill, um, uh, does not include pharmaceuticals. We wanted it to, but we'll do it in a couple of parts now. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I think that's, and typically how many bills are getting passed and, and to, to kind of broaden that question, uh, I, I realize animal rescue is just one facet of what gets dished on your plate. So, I mean, what, you know, how many, like how, what percentage of animal rescue is amongst all the other issues that you're currently dealing with? To give you a sense, um, as a Senator, we, we have a two year legislative session. And over the two-year period, I am able to introduce 40 bills. Uh, and so 40 bills over two years. So on average, 20 bills a year, but it's, it's not always perfectly split like that. Um, and I work on a number of the, my, my main issues of focus are housing, um, homelessness, mental health and drug addiction treatment, uh, criminal justice reform, um, and uh, LGBTQ civil rights. We also do some work around food access, making sure that people have access to food. Um, and uh, so those, those are my main focuses. Um, when I was in local government, I did more uh, around uh, uh, animal welfare issues. We did legislation to make sure that dog walkers had, were meeting certain standards. Um, uh, I, we were at war with the federal government. Uh, the National Park Service was trying to ban dog access at a lot of our beaches in, in the Bay Area. And so we did a lot of work there. Uh, and uh, in the legislature, I haven't done as much, but I'm happy to be authoring this bill. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and uh, that's that's good to hear uh, coming from you. I just I didn't know that that you were focused on those types of things. Um, and I wanted to ask you, too. And I'm assuming I, I couldn't find if this got passed. I'm pretty sure it didn't. But it was in 2020. Gavin Newsom was uh, trying to pass a 50 million dollar 
basically no kill or euthanasia in California. And I just wasn't sure if you'd heard anything up to date on that. And I couldn't find anything. I think there was money that he proposed for the budget. I, I think it went into the budget. I'd have to go back and check. That's from a few years ago. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I have a vague recollection that made it in, but I, I, I can't uh, recall as we sit here today. Yeah, no, and that's great. Uh, that's a great place for me to kind of even do more research on. Uh, I know that so much gets dished your way, but um, I also wanted to ask you too, um, in my, like just in my year and a half of doing this podcast, I've interviewed a lot of people at different animal rescues and different shelters. And one of the common themes specifically in California is just this issue of space and for stray animals. There's even people who drive planes and carry these animals and shelters that are about to get put down to different states. Do you know of anything that the local government could do at any capacity to potentially help with this issue? Well, I know in San Francisco, we have, I think, a more very progressive approach. Our um, our animal care and control, which is our animal welfare agency in San Francisco, has a no-kill um, policy. I think the, our SPCA also um, is very progressive in terms of avoiding um, putting animals down. Um, and so we, uh, I think, have a a really strong system in place in terms of animal welfare and animal safety nets in San Francisco. I know it's not always the case in other counties, uh, but it's a priority in San Francisco. That's what I was going to ask you about as well was um, when looking at the states across America, um, the 50 states, euthanasia rates from 2012 to about 2020, California was uh, one of the leading states in that despite it still being an issue. And San Francisco was one of the leading counties in that. And then here you just mentioned that, you know, that some of the ways that it's progressive in, in the in the San Francisco County. Um, do you know of any ways that like, can you go into uh, more depth on that, um, on how they're a little bit more progressive and, and things that they're doing to kind of pave the way? Well, I, I think just in terms of uh, having either a no kill um, policy or something very close to it, um, it's just a it's just a different approach than in a lot of places. We also really we've been phasing out um, pet stores in terms of sales of of dogs and cats in particular in stores. Um, and so uh, over time, San Francisco has really prioritized you know having the safety net for animals, really prioritizing adoption out of our uh, shelters. Um, and uh, not have and not facilitating puppy farms or any of these other really inhumane uh, systems. That's amazing. Yeah, and that was actually that you just covered that in my notes. Perfect. And uh, I was also going to ask too. And I said uh, puppy farms. I meant puppy mills. If I puppy mills. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I meant to say puppy. Puppy farms sounds actually sort of cute, but puppy mills right. are, are puppy mills are terrible. So right. Yeah. Like paint <laughs> the right picture. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. No, that makes sense. And I wanted to know too, uh, what was your particular stance on spay and neuter, more particularly like the laws uh, surrounding that? Well, I, I support um, spaying and neutering um, animals, um, pets. I think it's, you know, we have such a huge surplus of animals that need homes. 
um, that I think it, it, it makes sense to really, um, for people to spay or neuter their, um, their dogs. I actually, growing up many, many years ago, we had my dog from growing up was not, she was not spayed. Um, and um, um, I, I wish she had been, because it was actually a real pain. Like when she was in heat, it was just, it was uh, not always very fun with other dogs trying to sneak up and it was, it, yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, I think it's a good idea for people to do that. Yeah. And California is probably one of the better States uh, in terms of uh, spay and neuter and, and their stance on that, as opposed to maybe some other areas from the research I've done and people I've talked to. Uh, so it's just, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, I know that you mentioned, you met, you mentioned the humane society, uh, but are there any other or, like animal organizations that, that you guys are working with or talking to at all? Well, the Humane Society is the sponsor of this legislation, but there are other animal organizations who are very active in the, um, in the California Capitol and working on different pieces of legislation. But the, the main group we're working with on this bill is the Humane Society. Gotcha. And um, I wanted to ask you, too, I know that you have a background in local government and as well as now it's it's bigger for you but um in terms of just individuals or organizations um reaching out i hear how important it is to you know like it like just climbing up the ladder so to speak this the head of the snake so many people i talk to it's politics so much can happen up there can people really make a difference is it worth their time trying to you know knock on doors and and just, you know, leave notes on desks, essentially with like, is, is that the most efficient, impactful way for individuals to make a change? What's your, what's your take on that? In terms of in the legislative process? Yeah. And the legislative process. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I, it's twofold. Yes. When people call their, their representatives say, I want to register my support or opposition to a particular piece of legislation and then organize other people, you know, to make those calls as well that is impactful as long as you're really calling your own representative. When you get, when you're calling other parts, people who represent other areas, it's less effective. So it's always the most effective if you and others in your community are calling this, the representative from your area, um, that, that is impactful. Those calls and emails are tracked um, and uh, it, it, it matters, but also supporting the advocacy organizations that are every day engaged and watching what's going on, because you as an individual, some people do have a lot of time to monitor what's going on, and that's great, but for a lot of people, they may care a lot, but they have, they have a job, they have kids, they have other things going on in the world, they're not going to spend hours every day tracking bills, and so being uh, engaged with advocacy organizations that have someone whose job it is to track what's going on and can sound the alarm bell when it's time to make those phone calls. That's also a very effective way to be engaged. Yeah. And that may, and that's great to hear. I always love to hear of alternative ways to, to make a change. And I guess from your experiences, it's always been in California, but would you say that's the same across the 48 States from what you know? Yeah, I think that I think it's true everywhere um, that, you know, it, it, that kind of advocacy does matter. It matters. You know, it's it's it matters 
it's most impactful in the more local you are, local level or at the state level. You know, obviously, the federal government is is sort of bigger and it's a little bit harder. Um, but it's, especially at the late, at the state level now, now in California, we have very large state legislative districts. I represent almost a million people, um, and assembly members represent about five hundred thousand people. Um, that is not typical in most states. The districts are much smaller. And so there is a real opportunity um, to interact with and get to know your state representatives. I mean, that's true here too. I, I'm very present in my community and people know me and you know come up and tell me what's on their mind, which is great. Um, but uh, you know, with smaller districts, it's even easier to do that. Yeah, that's and that's great to hear. And I think that's I, I, yeah, I think that's amazing that people know you and just talk to you freely like that. And um, I wanted to ask you too, and this is this is pretty recent, so I don't know if you know anything about this, but I believe it was last November. The CDC um, it has to do with bringing service dogs from other countries, and now there are these restrictions on that. And I just wasn't sure. Do you know anything about that in regards to? Uh, like California's stance on that. And I, I, I know it has to do with the, the article I read, it had to do with uh, COVID and, and those types of things. But do you yeah. know anything about that? I, I don't know. In terms of the CDC, I don't know. I know that the, um, F, the FAA changes rules on, on service animals on planes a few years ago. And I think the federal government tightened up its definitions of what counts as a service animal. I don't think California has changed its uh, standards. I think they are a little bit um, um, uh, looser here. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much, I've, I, I just wanted to hear from you what, what your stance was and, and kind of what issues you're seeing. Are there any issues you're seeing particularly, or even, I know that the Humane Society is the sponsor, but in San Francisco that has, that you've seen across your desk at all, that that tends to be an issue. Are there any common issues that kind of pop up in your minds with animal um, rescue? I just think we need more resources and support um, for, uh, for, for animal rescue. And again, in San Francisco, we are um, fortunate. It's a city that's very committed to animals. So we have a whole city agency whose only job is to, or its main job is to um, rescue and shelter and adopt out animals. Then we also have a very large and well-funded SPCA here uh, that does that as well. So we have two different agencies that do this. Their offices are like right by each other and they work together. Um, so we have a lot of resources for if, you, if there is an animal that needs to be rescued, if, if, if you are, uh, you know, you have a pet and you, you just physically can't take care of the pet anymore, there's somewhere to go. Um, and then if you want to adopt an animal, you make it really easy. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good system. And I, I think if every county had the system that San Francisco has, we would not have um, the same problems we have with abandoned uh, animals and with euthanasia and, and all that. If anyone's listening, I, I have different organizations that listen and whatnot. So if that's great to know. So, you know, that might be a good place to start is call, give them a call and, and see what you can kind of learn from them and pick their brain. So 
Uh, Senator Scott Wiener, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time with us. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.